Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina man yadillahu falamudillala wa man yudlil falahadiyala wa nashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharikala wa nashadu anna sayyidina muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu amma ba'd Allah billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim qul a'tiyullaha wa a'tiyur rasul sadaqallahu adhim Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala sayyidina wa sanadina wa shafi'ina Muhammad kama sallaita wa sallamta wa barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidum majid We live in a time of great fitna Imam Sahib in second rakat of Salatul Isha Jeev he mentioned ayah in Quran Al-Kareem where Allah Ta'ala has followed has mentioned qatl and then mentioned zina Allah Akbar qatl is one type of sin murder and zina is another type of sin and Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala mentioned them together and Allah Ta'ala gave what's called wa'id a very strong warning and warning of punishment and chastisement and akhirah but then Allah Ta'ala as Almost always Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does in Quran al-Karim When he mentions his punishment or his wrath or his anger or his ba'id He follows it with an offer of his mercy And mentions that those who make tawbah And they make good amal They rectify their deeds They do virtuous deeds Even Allah ta'ala will change their sayyat into hasanat And if you look at the previous It means Allah ta'ala will take their qatl and their zina And change it into hasanat hmm? So you know, although scientifically we don't believe in these things, but there used to be a theory of transmutation alchemy. So the extreme is that if you take something very bad and turn it into something very good. So if Allah subhanahu wa accepts a person's tawbah like that, they make such true tawbah and they start doing virtuous good deeds, and the bad deeds they did was qatl and zina, and Allah ta'ala is the one who's going to change that bad deed into a good deed, so what do you think? Hmm? What is Allah Ta'ala going to change that qatl and zina into? Saying subhanallah once, which itself is an immense thing. Or maybe Allah Ta'ala will take that qatl and zina and change it into such an immense good deed like wilaya. Like becoming the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like as if they did a lifetime of ibadah. As if they did some huge dawah of deen. As if they did some huge khidmat of deen. Maybe as if they did ikamat ad deen, tajdeed ad deen. They even established the deen, they revived the deen. It's not bad, it's not difficult for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah akbar kabira. So then imagine the human being, what type of true tawbah they'd have to make. Because that's the bridge between that sin of qatl and zina and Allah ta'ala making it into a good deed. The bridge in that is tawbah. That type of tawbah Allah ta'ala mentioned in Quran is called tawbah to nusuh. That's real tawbah. True tawbah. Deep tawbah. Inner tawbah. Private Toba. Hmm? And that's one of the problems of our fitna today. Is a lot of us, we make Toba, but we don't make a Toba like that. Hmm? We make Toba, we may cry at night. We may cry at nights. We might feel sadness, we might feel shame. We might actually stop that sin, but only for a few days or a few weeks, only to return to it again. We can't make that Toba to Nasur. Even though Allah Ta'ala, and there was just one passage of Qur'an, in so many passages of Qur'an al-Kareem, 
Allah Ta'ala mentions how much you will give to the people who make true tawbah. Inna Allah yuhibbu tawabin That those people will be mahbubin, beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we can't make that tawbah. One reason is that because the fitna is on the inside and it's also on the outside. <laughs> it's when we're alone but it's also when we're in the society. <laughs> it's not only when we're in the society, it's also when we're alone. But it's not only when we're alone, it's also when we're in the society. That same person who makes tawbah alone at night, when they go back into society, they're again tempted by sin. The same person who does sin alone at night, when they go back into society, they're again tempted by sin. Then there's another fitna, which is the fitna of the akal. And that happens because people don't have knowledge about deen. People don't have ilm about deen. Even very intelligent people, even very educated people, don't have knowledge about their deen. Hmm? Because many times we sit with people like that, you can call them university educated people, and be amazed at the type of questions they ask. And it starts slowly, they ask questions about a hadith, or they ask questions about some verse of Quran, or they ask questions about some legal ruling. Then they start asking questions about Sayyidina Rasulullah Then they start asking questions about Deen of Islam itself and its truth. <laughs> then they start asking questions about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Question, I mean skeptical doubts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So outwardly we tell them, you know, no, you can ask me anything, don't worry, open, because we are doing dawah. So you can ask me anything, don't worry, I'm not going to put a fatwa, blasphemy on you, be comfortable, whatever is in your heart. But inside we're crying, what is the person saying? And outwardly we're encouraging them, go ahead, say it. Because until they open up, we don't have kash, we can't do the x-ray and see what's inside. But when they start talking, Allahu Akbar Kabeerah. Okay. Like I'm not a doctor, but I imagine if there, somebody was a doctor and some patient comes in and he looks fine and all of a sudden the patient on his own starts telling the doctor, oh I have cancer, I have hepatitis, oh, I have tuberculosis, oh, I also have leukemia. Allahu Akbar, the doctor would be stunned. <laughs> and one person is coming with five, six, seven, eight major illnesses. And this young man, he can say, I have five, six questions on his own. Each one is worse than cancer. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah, at least they have ikhlas, at least they're asking somebody. <laughs> For everyone who comes and asks, you know how many hundreds there are who don't even think there's a need to ask. They've made the decision on their own. <laughs> but you know, these times of fitna have happened long ago also. It's actually nothing new. So very recently I was reading a few pages, just a few pages. There was a big muhaddith in our deen, Alama Khattab Irimullah he wrote a shara'i a commentary on the hadith collection of Abu Dawood and also on the Sahih of Imam Bukhari. And in his commentary in the Sahih of Bukhari, he actually writes in his introduction. Allah Akbar, I thought he was writing about today. He's over a thousand years ago, fourth century, and he's over a thousand years ago. He's writing that people, they don't believe in hadith, people having doubts on hadith, people having doubts on deen. Allah Akbar. He's writing a thousand years ago, is he writing today? <laughs> now the same thing that happens today, which I see especially in England, when I come, when I come to visit, I come and I live one, two months here, is that many ulama, very sincere ulama, 
educated ulama, gentle, sweet, pious ulama, they think that one of the solutions, maybe the way out, is that we have to teach people certain types of courses. Maybe we teach them some philosophy, some history, right? Some law. And then if we teach them those things, we try to show them that Islam is true through these methods, all of their questions will go away. So historically the same thing happened. And before Allah Khattabi there was a group of ulama known as the Ashri ulama. So they thought the same thing. That let's study Greek logic and Greek philosophy and use these same methods to stop different fitnas that are happening at the time. Much later Imam Ghazali would also think the same thing. And today in this day and age, again you have people thinking the same thing. The problem is, is that when you wield that sword, it works, but you also get burnt. <laughs> the person who wields the sword, his hand gets burnt. Because it's a very hot sword. Hmm? So then what you happen, what you find is what? And this is a problem with a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but an increasing, an alarmingly increasing number of ulama is that when they use these things to help people with the right reason, some of them get burnt along the way. <laughs> like when your firefighter goes in to rescue the person from the fire, right? He, he gets burnt. Now if he's not wearing full equipment, he's not wearing full fireproof clothing, if his uniform is only 95% fire resistant, then he gets even more burnt. So if that alam of deen or da'i illallah isn't on real super taqwa, leading a life of zuhud in simplicity and sunnah, then he's not in 100% fire resistant uniform. So then he gets even more burnt. <laughs> now the fireman who gets burnt, immediately he goes to first aid. He doesn't have any delusion that I'm strong, I'm fireman, I have training, I can withstand the burn. No, no. He goes to rescue the person. If he gets any even slight burn, he goes for immediate medical attention. So then the alim and da'i also has to know that if I get slightly burnt on this path of da'wah, I have to go for immediate spiritual medical attention. I have to go to some rabbi, muzakki, sheikh, ustad, someone from akabar, who I share with them this reality. Hmm? So that they can keep me in check, they can keep guiding me. You may be wondering why am I telling you people this stuff? Hmm? Because you're UK. <laughs> you're in London, mashallah. Hmm? London is full of all types of institutes and academies and foundations and courses and workshops and seminars. Hmm? Don't get me wrong, maybe I should clarify that some of you get the wrong understanding. I believe in all of them. I mean, the ones I know and trust. We love all of them and we encourage their work and we wish their work expands. But it's a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous, a cheap fitna. So one is fitna of the nafs, one is fitna of the akal. And if you have both fitnas, fitna of nafs and fitna of akal, then it's a very difficult situation. Very difficult situation. And third fitna is fitna of dunya. A <laughs> cheap fitna of dunya a little bit of wealth causes a lot of facade in the heart <coughs> little just small increase in wealth just moving from your current level to the next level people can't resist that fitna 
Some they fall into arrogance, some they fall into pride, some they leave their zuhud, they lose their simplicity, lose their humility. Hmm? But at the same time, this this what the whole society is about. Get more educated and become more wealthy. All of society is telling us that you can do that as long as you protect yourself against the harms and evils of that. You won't protect yourself against the harms and evils of that unless you acknowledge and believe and accept there are dangers and harms and evils to that. That's why I'm telling you this thing. It may not apply to every one of you. It may apply to some of your children. It may not apply to your children now. It could potentially apply to your children in the next generation. So this is an important thing for Muslims to understand. That hifadha, our preservation lies in simple, pure, sincere deen. Yes, sometimes our survival will also require that we pick up certain tools, certain knowledge, right? But that's temporary. That's not our asal. Hmm? That's not our asal. I'll give you an example. There was an alim mufti in Pakistan and he... somebody asked him, to become Sharia advisor of a bank that wanted to become going into Islamic banking, right? And that bank was sincere and the people who asked him were also sincere because I know this case personally. The bank people were sincere. They genuinely made Islamic banking to the best of their ability under the guidance of Sheikh Musa. The individual bankers who were not ulama, they were also sincere that no, we want an alim mufti to guide us. So they went to it. He said, that, look, I know what you're doing is sincere, you came with Mufti Takisa, reference, all of that. But, if I come to supervise your bank, I will end up doing something that is not my asl. <laughs> and he got scared. He said, I don't think I'm ready for that. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Now obviously if every alim said that, then you wouldn't have Shri advisors. But the point is that fear should be there. Why am I giving this example? In a country like Pakistan, which has much less fitna than England, relatively, hmm? and that person is not an ordinary person who comes to a bayan and isha, he's an alim and a mufti. His work environment was going to be what? An Islamic institution, a bank that is trying to follow Islamic guidelines, and our workplaces are ordinary, whatever, ran, not organized according to Islamic guidelines. And that person was scared. So imagine how scared Muslims in this country should be. Hmm? That's what we don't see. That's what's missing. Hmm? Now, yes, there may be some people who, mashallah, they're just living in a very isolated life, right? They've made an enclave circle for themselves. That's one way they found them. Mashallah, they are also, I should also make this very clear, Alhamdulillah, also in London, there are also some young ulama who have chosen this path. They say, look, right now, I can just study my deen, I can teach deen, I can make zikr of Allah Ta'ala, maybe I'll teach a bit of maktab, maybe teach Islamic studies at some children's school just to keep myself bare minimum. Yes, you might be thinking, I'm making very little money because I teach in maktab school, but that's all I want. <laughs> because to get more money, I will have to be more involved and engaged in society, and I can't do that. So, Alhamdulillah. There are some, and I am blessed by Allah Ta'ala to have met such young ulama or to know about them. They are saving themselves in this way. Hmm? But why? Because they have the ilm. 
إِنَّمَا يَكْسَ اللَّهُ مِنْ إِبَادِهُ الْأُلَمَاءِ The knowledge made them fear Allah Ta'ala more. More knowledge made them more scared. Hmm? And less knowledge many times makes a person less scared. Well, the irony is the person who has less knowledge should have been even more scared. Hmm? Hmm? But they don't know enough to be scared. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Ajeeb. So what is that simple understanding of deen? This is what Allah SWT explained in the Qur'an Kareem. قُلْ أَطِيُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيُوا الرَّسُولِ Just tell them Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's very simple. Obey Allah Ta'ala and obey Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our deen is a deen of obedience. That's it. Anything that can exist along this obedience, keep it, but keep an eye on it, keep a check on it. Anything that comes at even the slightest cost of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do not compromise on it. Don't indulge in it. Don't engage in it. Don't entertain it. Don't accommodate it. Don't be tolerant of it. Don't accept it. This is our deen. Ati'ullah wa ati'ur rasul. And all of you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He explained how does this is the teaching of deen. How do you learn deen to Allah ta'ala? Love that saying so much he mentioned in Quran. What did Sahaba Quran say? Samitna wa ta'na. But that's it. Teaching of deen, obey. Learning deen, obey. We hear and we obey. That's it. This is how deen is taught and this is how deen is learnt. All of deen is about obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So everything we do, every ibadat that we do, every amal that we do, every teaching of deen, every knowledge of deen, is in order to have more obedience for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to have more obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in order to have more obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam al-Ghazali, he wrote in the Ahyal al-Muddin that the highest state of love for Allah ta'ala is obedience. Even he wrote that love is not a goal in of itself, Love is only a means for obedience. So, I will share with you, because you know, when I, I tell people now these things, many times I wouldn't open up so much to you people. Hmm? So when I read this the first time in my life, I was young, maybe this was like 1994, right? So, Allahu Akbar, <laughs> that was 23 years ago. Hmm? So when I read it, I got upset. I thought Imam Ghazali knows it, but I thought Imam Ghazali was wrong. So why did he say that? I said, no, love is a goal in of itself. I thought to myself, I agree, you must obey Allah Ta'ala. But love is Muhammad, is ishq, walladheena agib dalil, walladheena amanu ashadduhum malillah. That those who have iman, they're intensely passionate and there's love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I didn't understand. And I was also stunned because Imam Ghazali is viewed to be a Sufi, right? So the last person who I thought would have written something like this, that love is not a goal in of itself, Love's only value lies in it being a means to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa So what took me 23 years to learn, well 22 years to learn, uh, better that you learn it in one night and 22 minutes. Hmm? Love has no value in of itself except as a means to the obedience of Allah subhanahu I will show you by using some examples so you understand. Because what happens is that if a person thinks that love has a value in of itself, 
then they will be content, mutma'in, on the fact that they are a lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even, they, even though they don't obey Him. I'll explain the same thing to you again. Everyone here loves Allah ta'ala 100%, but not everybody here obeys Allah ta'ala 100%. Hmm? So that person who focuses on being Allah ta'ala's lover, so once they feel in their heart, I love Allah ta'ala, but that's it, they're done with their deen. And so they continue to disobey a little bit. They feel sad about it. They make tawbah, but they don't make that real tawbah. And they return to that sin again. But all the time they're lover of Allah Ta'ala. So they might go on Umrah. Yes, they're lover of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Will they fast in Ramadan? Yes, they're lover of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Will they pray Salah? Yes, they're lover of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Will they like to listen to Beyond? Yes, they're lover of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. But can they obey Allah Ta'ala all the time and leave all sin? Now they can't do that 100% just yet. Hmm? Now you understand the difference? Because all of us, alhamdulillah, inshallah, are in such a situation. In the good part that we're 100% lover of Allah Ta'ala. That's alhamdulillah. Hmm? But if we don't have 100% obedience, it means that obedience is about something more. Hmm? But if you think about it, that itself is a fitna. But how can you love Allah Ta'ala and not obey Him? So the Arabs, they used to have a saying, so it's not Quran, it's not Hadith, it's just a saying of the Arabs. Al-Muhibbu liman ahabba muti'un. They were trying to explain that love should lead to obedience. So they said the lover, what is the lover? The lover is the one who is obedient to he whom they love. That's the true lover. It's actually what Imam Ghazali said, same thing he was saying. That true love means true obedience. So now understand, if you think you love Allah Ta'ala 100%, but you're not able to obey Him 100%, then realize you don't really love Him 100%. I just changed it. First I said, Alhamdulillah, we love Allah 100%, but we're not able to obey Him 100%. Now be more hard on yourself. Don't do this in anybody else. Be more hard on yourself. If I don't obey Allah Ta'ala 100%, Maybe I don't really love him 100%. Hmm? Now let's look at other types of love. So let's look at husband-wife love, hmm? spouse love. So if the spouse doesn't listen to the other spouse, can be both ways, husband or wife, right? Then the spouse must insist that I really love you. Okay, that might make the first time, that's the first time you can say, sorry, no, I'm really sorry, but you know, I really love you. He says, okay, I know you really love me. It's okay. All right. Second time, Second time what happens? He doesn't listen to spouse or she doesn't listen to spouse. He tries it again. No, I'm really sorry, but you know I really love you. Yes, I know you really love me. Okay, we make up. How many times do you think it works? Hmm? Maybe one or two times. Hmm? If he keeps repeating, if there's a pattern, at some point then spouse one will say to the second spouse, look, I know you love me, but there's a problem here. <laughs> right? There's a problem. You're not listening. You're not listening. You're not changing. And if it keeps going on and keeps going on and keeps going on, many times when we have had cases of people, they come with divorce also. It's not because they never loved one another. It's not that. They did love one another. How did they end up in divorce? Because even though they did love one another, they were not able to live with one another according to the usul of the way our deen teaches us. 
to listen, to cooperate, to compromise, to forgive, to be respectful, to be caring. They couldn't do that. Hmm? That's a small relationship. Relationship between Abd and Rab is a big relationship. Let's look at another relationship. Parent and child. Hmm? Parent and child. Child and parent can be either way. Do they love one another? Of course they love one another. But sometimes they don't get along. Hmm? Sometimes a child is rebellious. Sometimes a parent is neglectful. Even though they 100% love one another. Hmm? And some people have all of these problems. That they love Allah Ta'ala, but they're neglectful in their relationship with Allah Ta'ala. They love Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu but they're negligent in their amal and sunnah. They love their spouse, but they don't fulfill their rights. They love their parents or their children, but they're not as respectful or considerate as they should be. They have all these problems. Then they go out and they fall into fitna. Deep fitna. That's another fitna. It's a delusion of love. To they claim to the other person that they love them. They don't love them. They just want, you know, a second honeymoon. I said, 99% of men want second honeymoon, not second wife. Yes, they want second honeymoon. They don't want a second person to take care of when they're 70 years old. If you ask somebody that, would you like to have a second person under your care who you will take care of them when they're 70 years old? Would you like a second person under your care that maybe they will get an illness, severe illness? Maybe they will be in a wheelchair and you will have to take care of them for the rest of your life when they're elderly. Would you like a person like that? Would you like a person that you give them with the financial math? Would you like a person that you have to support maybe with 500 pounds a month for 12 months a year, 6,000 pounds for the next 40 years? What is that? 240,000 pounds. Hmm? Allah You start running. You run. You Hmm? Also but it's in the name of love. Hmm? The name of love. Oh, Too much fitna. Too much fitna. Allah Ta'ala, sometimes you just have to keep it simple. So Allah SWT said very simply, Kul ati Allah wa ati Obey Allah SWT Obey Rasulullah That's your life. That's why you exist. Yes, if along with that you can achieve something else on this earth, do it. You can do some khidmat for ummah, khidmat for insan, khidmat for qalb, do it. If along with that you can make some dawah of deen, khidmat of deen, do it. But this is the asal. Asal is obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obedience to Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then you have another type of person who they fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they still can't obey Him. <laughs> so you can understand, okay, the person who loves, he starts viewing himself as a lover and gets a bit, we say, yani informal, intimately informal. <laughs> but this is another person, he fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He believes Allah Ta'ala is Al-Aziz, Al-Jabbar, Al-Mutakabbir, Dhul-Jalal, Wal-Ikram, Dhu-Intikam. He still disobeys Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Sometimes he thinks about Allah Ta'ala before he commits a sin and he actually gets scared. 
and she feels the fear but then he suppresses the fear and indulges in the desire anyway so it's not fearless he has fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he even remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment but the urge to commit that sin is greater and the power of the fear is less Ajeeb fitna Inna nafsa la amalatun bisu'i Indeed the nafs overwhelmingly overpowers a person and commands him to do vile, evil, despicable sin even though that person loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and even though that person fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if they had focused on the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they heard as many talks on obedience to Allah ta'ala as they hear on love for Allah ta'ala if they had as much poetry about obeying Allah ta'ala as there is poetry on love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if they remembered before the sin that their abd, their slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala their whole purpose is to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then maybe they would have been able to stay away from sin. So we were explaining once to some friends that this word that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used for us, abd, abd, slave. Allah says, I want you to view yourself as a slave. That's it. You're a slave. It's a G word. Hmm? He's never translated as servant. Some people they translate as servants and servants of Allah, servants of Allah, slaves, slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even slave in English is not as strong as the Arabic word abd. Slave. So how do you do this? You must love Allah Ta'ala the way a slave loves their master, not the way a lover loves their beloved. A lover loves the beloved in a very intimate way. The slave loves the master in a very reverential, obedient way. But this is the beauty of our deen. That if you know knowledge of deen, the love that the slave has for the master is a stronger love than the love that the lover has for beloved. All the poetry in the world, in all Arabic, Persian, Urdu, English, maybe Hoga, about the love that the lover has for the beloved, if you add all of that on one side, it does not compare to the love, the slave of Allah, whose name was Muhammad ibn Abdullah, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had for his master Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what our deen teaches us. That person who has that type of love, they will have the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a different type of love. Different type of love. Same way, the slave has a fear for their master. Fear for their master. The Imam Ghazali tried to explain this, that the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not the way you fear some dangerous thing like a snake or a scorpion. It's not like that. It's a different type of fear. In English, you would call it awe or reverence. Khashiyya. Awe, reverence. Its crux is obedience. Basically, it's the fear of disobedience. 
and it's the love for obedience. If you want to make your love into obedience, you have to love obedience. You have to love waking up for Fajr. You have to detest sleeping and missing Fajr. You have to love lowering the gaze. You have to detest casting the lustful glance. You have to love obedience. Everything you've ever heard about love in any story, tale, romance, poem, all of those feelings and passions and emotions you should put towards the obedience to Allah SWT. That's how you feel. You are a passionate lover of Amal Salih. You are a passionate lover of Itat. You are a passionate lover of lowering the gaze. That's where our passions are. That's called the love of a slave. Now when the early Mashaikh used to sit and recite that poetry of love, that's what they meant. And that's what was understood. But later over time it was just left, the only thing that was left were the words. And then people filled it in with their own interpretations. Hmm? And the most fearful thing, more afraid than you are of losing your job, more afraid of you are of losing your visa, more afraid of you would be than of a snake or scorpion, you would be afraid, more afraid you would be than failing an exam, hmm? more afraid of being, that you would be of being humiliated and ashamed in front of creation. Even more afraid than you are of being exposed by Allah on the Day of Judgment is your fear of the disobedience of Allah Subhanahu That's called true fear. There's nothing you are more afraid of than sinning. Then a person will end up in obedience. We're terrified of sinning. Terrified. Then a person will end up in obedience. Passionate lover of obedience and terrified and afraid of disobedience, that person is called a slave. Abd. Abd of Allah SWT. Abd. Abd. Same thing when the Bihakareem sallallahu alayhi wa People love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yes. But they still don't follow all of his sunnah. <laughs> People love Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yes. But they 100% can't do Ati'ul Rasul. Akbar, They can't do it. The Ashik, Ashik Sadiq. Hmm? They have many poems about being Ashik Sadiq. Huh? Allahu Akbar. Many poetry can be recited in many languages about being Ashik Sadiq. But the real test is, hmm? do you obey Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or not? Is your life similar and close to his sunnah or not? Hmm? I'm not a poet, but there are many who could recite poetry to you. In Arabic, in Urdu, in Persian, hmm? about love for Nabi Akareem, sallallahu And when I listen to poetry like that, definitely it makes your heart feel strong emotions and passions. But if you cannot convert those strong emotions and passions to obedience and ittiba, following the sunnah of Nabi Akareem, sallallahu alayhi sallam, then it's just a poetry recital. That's all it is. So love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love for obedience. Fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fear of disobedience. 
love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, love for his sunnah. You know who told you this? Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself. He said, Man ahabba sunnati faqad ahabbani. That person who loves my sunnah, indeed that person has thereby loved me. وَمَنْ أَحَبَّنِي And through that way, that person who has loved me, كَانَ مَعْيَ الْجَنَّةِ Will be with me together in Jannah. This is the hadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So simple. <laughs> so simple. Here you have قُلَ أَتِيُوا اللَّهُ وَأَتِيُوا الرَّسُولِ And سَمَيْنَ وَتَعْنَا And then here you have what? مَنْ أَحَبَّ سُنَّتِي فَكَنْ أَحَبَّنِي Simple, simple thing. Even the simplest thing you have to love it. Let me explain to you. You have to love eating on the floor. You don't have to view eating on the table as haram. But you have to love eating on the floor. You have to love eating with your hand. You don't have to view eating with the fork as haram. But you have to love eating with your hand. You understand? Love for the sunnah. Even in simple things like that. If you're a man, you should love to wear clothing that covers and conceals not just your skin, but the shape of your satar, which goes past your knees. Shape of your satar. It can be any Arabic, Nigerian, you can design UK style. But the point is loose, baggy clothing that covers the shape of your satar, not just its skin. You tell me if I was sitting in front of you right now with skin-tight shirt and skin-tight pant, you find it awkward to look at me while giving bayan? Correct or not? But if I gave you fatwa as jais, I'm covering my skin. You say, Shaykh, hmm? here's the Torah Jimba Kurta Kameez. So you should love to cover the shape of your satar without viewing it as haram to wear pant and shirt. Love for sunnah. Love. This your job isn't to get into the fiqh. And you know the fuqaha, the jurists, when they made these labels of what's farad and what's wajib, and what's sunnah waqqada and sunnah ghair waqqada, they didn't realize, mashallah, that me and you would, you know, be that unintended effect. But the ordinary <laughs> person was just to say deen, is yes or no. <laughs> That's for the fuqaha to get into these issues of to what level it's halal and what level it's makru and what level it's fard. For us, it's, you know, this is Sunnah of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam That's it for me Even so much so You know the secularists They like to tease That oh you know So what are you going to do You're going to show up Work on the camel You're going to show up To work on the camel So answer Now I will show up To work on the tube But I don't enjoy Riding the tube But I love riding camel Love for Sunnah of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam there's some, the camel is still there. <laughs> yes. It doesn't go away. And so I will stop to work riding, driving my car. <laughs> 100%. But I don't get any feeling by driving the car. And if you put me on a camel for five minutes, I feel love. <laughs> now you understand. <clears throat> love. Now when you have a love for the sunnah of Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
then a person falls into more obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a secret. Love for sunnah and love for following sunnah, obeying the Prophet gives a person more obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you don't have love, let me give you another simple one. Huh? <laughs> Dentist, I will use the Colgate, whatever, the fluoride, fluoride toothpaste on toothbrush, but I get no pleasure from it. But I have delight when I even touch my swab to my teeth for one second. So once again, that's it. Love. Love for the Sunnah Nabi Akareem. You get more obedience from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us in such a way that every human being, and non-Muslim, Muslim, every human being will have an attraction for some type of lifestyle. There's no way anybody is neutral. Every human being is cultural. Every human being is social. Every human being has some choices, preferences, likes, delights, joys of their heart. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put all the husn in the lifestyle of Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. kana lakum fi rasulillahi uswatun hasana. And if you don't fill your heart with the love and attraction for even the smallest and especially though the major aspects of the lifestyle of Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you will end up in your heart, heart, with an attraction for some other lifestyle, some other culture. You will end up like this. And I know many UK Muslims like this. That when you get dressed up in fancy suit and sit on the table with the fancy linens and you have the stainless steel high-grade silverware and you have the porcelain plates and you have your huh, three-course meal with starters and afters, you will enjoy it. And it will be the Friday night and Saturday night Enjoy a special meal Again, like I said Without getting into the issue Is it jais or haram I'm not saying in any way it's not jais But I'm asking you to ask the question Why does this make me happy And that fails to make me happy hmm? And you know I can tell you Alhamdulillah, I've also seen this. I've seen in my life, not one or two, hundreds. Hundreds. Maybe I could even say thousands, but I'll say hundreds. Of Muslims. They could even be living in Pakistan. Not necessarily they're living in America or the UK. Even in Karachi and Lahore. Who used to have this fondness and attachment and love for the Western culture and lifestyle and wearing that clothing and sitting on that table. And then they changed. And they love going on Thursday night. And they love putting their jibba and tob on. And they love to sit on the ground. And they love to share the plate with two, three other people. And they love to eat that simple dal chow with their hand. Now if you don't understand what I said up till now, you will say this is just different menus and different eating habits. <laughs> And you're not altogether wrong. 
But you're not altogether right. And if you understood what I told you up till now, you'll understand slave, the love of a slave, the obedience of the slave, the culture of the slave, the lifestyle of the slave. The greatest slave of Allah, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's why Mashaikh they used to teach something called Zod. Zod basically meant to take people away from any other worldly culture, even if it's 100% halal, and bring them back to the simplicity and purity of the Sunnah of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's called Zod. <coughs> you may not be able to do it all the time. You may work a job or sometimes you have to have lunch in your office cafeteria. Fine. But how you live in your home. You know when you go to a person's home, that's where you can tell if they're slave or not. Sometimes, and maybe not the first time, but the second, third time when I get to know someone a little bit better. And sometimes even once or twice I've done it on the first time. If they take me to their home, about garaging it. And if they take me to their home and I sit in their living room. And I look around and I say, if, if this person hadn't brought me here, I could have been sitting in a non-Muslim living room. I can't tell, there's not even one ayah anywhere on the wall. There's not even the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing. There's sofa tables, chairs. I could be sitting in anybody's living room in the world. It's a problem. It's not a fatwa. I'll give you fatwa. It's 100% jaiz to have a room like that. But I'm trying to tell you something. You won't feel. So let me give you another example. I gave you another one, a slave and servant. So you don't have that in this country. If in Pakistan or India, you go to the servant quarter. Hmm? When you enter that servant quarter, when you enter that room, you will know what servant's quarter. Hmm? You will know. It's the way the room is. You will understand that this is servant quarter. Our homes are slaves quarters. That's what our home is. Hmm? Our home is slave quarter. You can have the sofa, you can have the carpet, you can have the lamp, you can have the painting. But you should also have some books on deen. You should also have something, anything. I can bring you a few things, it's not limited to the smallest I'll give you. You should have some names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ismail Husna. You should have some ayati Qur'aniya. You should have sometimes in that room, not just social talk, but also gathering about deen. Reading some book of deen, sharing some story of seerah. Sharing some hadith in Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam It should be your marzlis It should be your khanka It should be your uh, you know, your, your own spiritual retreat Your own spiritual sanctuary So that when the children come back from school The same way when you come out of office And you come into masjid for maghrib And you feel purified Of all the things that happened that day at work when your children come home from school and they enter that front room, main room, living room, drawing room, musalla, majlis, khanka that you have set up in your home, they feel purified of anything and everything that happened at school. But if they come home and they just see big screen TV and PlayStation, game station, huh? and pizza and burger and coke and chips, hmm? huh? All of these things are, well, the, the PlayStation is problematic, but the pizza, burger, coke, chip, all this is halal, right? PlayStation depends. And none of you are that young here tonight, uh-huh, but some of the older people are also involved in these things. Huh? 
लगभग माइंड क्राफ्ट तुम्हें पता नहीं क्या क्या दुनिया ने बनाया लैपटॉप इज देशन जजमेंट Oh, you send, send two minute clip, nice clip of Malatar Jamil. Hmm. Wow, fuck my dad! I'm not even shaped. Some of those two minute short clips of Hamdulillah. Hmm. Oh, you know, sometimes you know, what they say in Dudul Kalam and some of the stuff he says. But uh, for you people, Bismillah. Hmm. It's all culture. All this stuff is called culture, culture, culture. Hmm. You know these people, when they are arguing for themselves, they call it a culture war. Even they know it's all about culture. And they have some weird deviant view, and they want everybody to accept them. So they wage what's called a culture war. <laughs> and they know, and they won. <laughs> they won that culture war, and that particular way of life has become acceptable in the West. Culture war. <laughs> They know all about culture. Oh, <laughs> what? The Sunnah is also a culture. <coughs> And all your multiculturalism, <coughs> you can't accommodate the culture of Sunnah of Nabi Akram Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's the culture we bring. And then you can say, "I live here with the niyat of Dawa." You brought your culture. Culture is not the prata pakora. Mashallah, that's there in London. Every time we come, everywhere, Mashallah, it's all our places. Lahore, Greer, Lahorebal, Kabbalahs, the wide sub sub share economic, Karachi. Hmm? That's not culture. Hmm? Culture of a slave. Ajeeb. That's why the young ulama, when they get a taste of that culture, now when they spend some time with the true alim or true sheikh, they can't leave it. Kakar, at some point, they have to leave it in order to help guide you people, but it's hard. It's very hard to leave it. It's a big sacrifice for these ulama, especially the ones who go and study in India, Pakistan, to come back to England and come out of that beautiful culture and come back to this country and to teach people and to guide people. So you should do kader of them. Your local ulama and shayukh. You don't need the great scholar coming from New York City. I don't even live in New York, by the way. I live in Lower Pakistan, and sometimes I live in the UK. I was born and raised in New York City. Hmm? Your local ulama, young, young. They're not famous. They may not have big posters. Nobody calls them Hazrat Mufti Sheikh. Hmm? And they're yours, and they came back for you. Hmm? You have to connect your heart and plug into their heart. You have to sit with them. If they're shy, you have to get them out of their turtle shell. Hmm? Yeah, some of them will be shy; they'll avoid you. <laughs> ah, Allah Akbar! You have to sit with them and say, "Teach me anything. Teach me some tajweed. Teach me whatever you want. Whatever you're researching. Whatever you want it to be. Anything. Just sit with me for ten, twenty minutes a day. I'm going to bring two, three of my friends. 
Whatever you want, Bismillah, we, don't, we make no demands. Whatever you want, whatever you think we need. When you talk to them like that, they won't be able to say no. Hmm? When you say, okay, Shaykh, I want you to teach me Friday, 3 p.m., come to my house, and I only want to learn ABCD. They'll find ways to get out of it. Hmm? Huh? Yeah. And there are a lot of them. There's another thing, mashallah, that's very heartwarming of England, that there's quite a lot of young people who have gone to study and come back, or even studied locally. It's not necessary to go. Even studied in different places, Leicester, Blackburn, Bury, Dewsbury, Barrera. And you're not tapping into them. Hmm? You're not tapping into them. You know everything about the... As soon as a new restaurant opens in your neighborhood, you know about it. Hmm? Yeah. You know the newest pizza joint, and you know the newest biryani place, and the newest this. You don't know even that some alam has come back to your locality. Hmm? So you have to have talab, and you have to seek these people out. Here, obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and obedience to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The last thing I will tell you tonight, you must increase your amal of obedience. They say that about love. Muhammad Brahane ki liye amal Muhammad ko I will explain in English afterwards. Muhammad Brahane ki liye ushak ishkarne walon ke andaz ko apnaye. It means in English that if you want to feel more love in your heart, you should do more acts of love. If you want to feel more love in your heart, you should be more like the lovers of Allah Subhanahu wa And all of that is true. But it's equally true, in fact, even more true about obedience. If you want to have more obedience of Allah Ta'ala, you need more amal salih You need more acts of obedience in your life. Don't view it as nafil. Don't look what the jurist said as nafil. For you, it's not nafil. <laughs> For you, it's critically essential to become the obedient slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to recite some Qur'an al-Kareem every day, to make the sunnah du'as every day, to recite some istighfar every day, to recite some salawat, durood shrif on Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam every day, to do some zikr, la ilaha illallah, subhanallah wa bihamdi subhanallah Allah, Allah with your tongue, with your heart every day, you need those amal of obedience if you want to have more obedience in your life. And you need the andaz. Those who obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who are simple, you need some, of the, some resemblance to them. You need some shadow, some shade. Then you will get more obedience. Hmm? And those people are so few left in the world. Hmm? Those who are truly obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe you'll find them in going in Jamaat. Maybe you'll find them by visiting a Darulum. Maybe you'll find them going to visit some shaykh. Maybe you will find it in your own imam right here in Seven Kings Masjid. Hmm? Oh, we bought Wali Admi because he's gone. He's going to New York tomorrow morning, so he took leave. Really, I enjoy coming here from beyond because I get to pray salam behind your imam. Hmm? You should do other people like that. You will one day, and you will realize these things. We pray behind many imams and many masajid because we travel a lot. We can feel something. 
and some few imams. That's not just how few of them they are actually. <laughs> just sit with them a little bit. It's okay. Just sit. <laughs> Look at their andas. Even the way these people walk and talk, the way they carry themselves. All of this helps in obedience. All of this helps in obedience. Do anything and everything you can to get the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And do anything and everything you can to leave the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what you can do on one night. You can make a niyyah. Qul Allah wa Rasul. Ya Allah, if I had been alive at that time, I would have said Sami'na wa ta'ala along with Abu Bakr Siddiq ta'ala. I would have said it to Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa I wasn't alive at that time. But you gave me life now. Same deen, same Quran, one and only Allah SWT. You make niyat in your heart that I will say that same samitna wa ta'na to you Allah SWT that those sahaba kiram radiallahu ta'ala an did and accept this niyat from me on this night. Give me a life of samitna wa ta'na. Give me a life of amal, a life of, a life of practice and a life of obedience and make all my love for you translate into more obedience to you and make all my fear of you translate into less disobedience of you ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وحبنا من لدنك الرحمة إنك أنت الوهاب رب اغفر وارحم أنت خير الراحمين يا الله يا رب كريم forgive us for all the times we loved you but still disobeyed you يا رب كريم forgive us for all the times that we feared you yet still we failed to obey you يا رب كريم forgive us for every sin that we ever did forgive us for every sinful desire for every sinful attraction for every sinful emotion for every sinful thought for every sinful intention يا رب كريم we make sugar to you for all the times that we wanted to sin but you protected us يا رب you saved us, Ya Rabb. You gave us no opportunity, Ya Rabb. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are ashamed, Ya Rabb. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you change all of our attraction for sin into attraction to obedience, into attraction to ibadah, into attraction to amal salih, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we ask that you put in our heart the feelings of the sunnah, put in our homes the culture of the sunnah, put in our lives the lifestyle of the sunnah, put in our manners the akhlaq of the sunnah, put in our mind the thoughts of the sunnah, Ya Nabi Kareem, making our decisions the barakah of the decisions and hikmah of Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Nabi Kareem, take us out from every delusion, take us out from every deception, take us out from every fitna, Ya Nabi Kareem. Keep us in your hifaza, keep us in your aman, keep us in your safety and security and sanctity, Ya Nabi Kareem. Ya Nabi, live in an age of fitna, in a time of fitna, in a place of fitna. We have a nafs of fitna, we have a mind of fitna, we have a heart of fitna, but Ya Rabb, you are Allah Kulli Shayin Kadir, you are Al-Qawiyyul Mati, 
Rajin, yet in beginning you are all powerful over each and everything. Whomsoever you wish to guide, no one can ever misguide them. Yet in beginning, make irada on this night of us. Make irada, Ya Rab, you are al-hadi, Ya Rab. Do our hidayah, Ya Rab, Do hidayah of our children, of our spouses, of our friends, of our parents, of our neighbors, of our associates, of our colleagues, of our enemies. Ya Rab, send your hidayah on all of the ummah, Ya Rab, Protect the ummah, guide the ummah, rescue the ummah, uplift the ummah, defend the ummah, Ya Rab, Protect us from those who would harm us. Protect us from the zulm of the zalimeen. Protect us from the facade of the Musidin, protect us from the shar of the Ashrar, Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem. That we make special dua for all of the Muslimin, for all of the poor, all of the affected, all of the conflict ridden, all of the refugees, all of the homeless. Send your special hidayah on them. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us, Ya Rabb, for failing to do qadr of the home that you gave us, of the food that you gave us, of the clothing that you gave us, of the spouse that you gave us, of the children that you gave us, of the parents that you gave us, you have the peace that you gave us, of the sleep that you gave us, Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us Ya Rabb, make us more more grateful to you, make us from your ibadah shukur Ya Rabbi Kareem, increase us in our shukur increase us in our qadr, increase us in our ikhlas, increase us in our ihsan, Ya Rabbi Kareem we ask you to give us tawfiq to recite Quran Kareem Give us the delight of Tilawa, the joy of Tilawa, the high of Tilawa, the addiction to Tilawa, the attraction to Tilawa. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let no day be empty of Quran al-Kareem. Ya Rabbi make us regular in Salawat and Durood Shreef and Nabi Kareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Increase us in our A'mali Muhammad, increase us in our Aqwali Muhammad, increase us in our Af'ali Muhammad, increase us in our Ahwali Muhammad. Ya Rabbi Kareem, increase us in our words of love for Him, our expressions of love for Him. Our feelings of love for Him, our act of following Him, our ittibai of the Sunnah, our itaat of Rasul, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi, give us tawfiq to make use of the Sunnah, du'as, and adhkar that your beloved Nabi Kareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, taught us. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us feel the lutf of Subhanallah, let us feel the delight of Subhanallah, let us feel the pleasure of Alhamdulillah, saying Alhamdulillah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us feel the awe and might of saying Allahu Akbar. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us feel the zikr of saying la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah ya nabi kareem we ask that you moisten our tongues with your zikr we ask that you put nur in our make our qulub munawwar enlighten our hearts with your zikr ya nabi kareem take us out from every ghafla take us out from every entertainment take us out from every pastime take us out from all falsehood grant us the truth ya nabi kareem ya nabi kareem we make ask that you accept all the dua that anyone may be offering in their heart fulfill our hajat in this world Fulfill our hajat of deen Fulfill our hajat of akhirah Grant us the taqwa that we need Grant us the hayah that we need Grant us the ikhlas that we need Grant us the silk that we need Grant us, Ya Rabbi Kareem The amal al-salih that we need Ya Rabbi Kareem We ask that you accept all the duas for us That Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked of you All the duas for us That Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Made for his ummah Ya Rabbi Kareem you grant us from the khair that is known to you. Grant us the khair that you wish to give us. Grant us the khair that only you can bestow. Grant us the khair that
that we can never even fathom and thus ask for. Ya Rabbi Kareem, and protect us, Ya Rabbi, from every evil, from every enmity, from every deception, from every delusion, from the fitna of our nafs, the fitna of shaitan, the fitna of creation, the fitna of this world. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Rabbi, we ask that you honor, Ya Rabbi, this iman that we have taken in you, and accept this iman that we have in you, and Ya Rabbi Kareem, get hifazat of our iman. Ya Rabbi Kareem, protect us from this iman. Ya Rabbi Kareem, get us a mount upon this iman. Ya Rabbi, on the day of judgment, raise us amongst the Ahlul iman. Ya Rabbi, in the akhirah, join us in the place of the people of iman. Grant us jannatul firdaus, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Near Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the anbiya al-mursaleen, alayhim as-salam ajma'in. Sahabai kalam radiyallahu ta'ala anhu ajma'in. Mufassireen, muhaddisin, fuqaha, usuliyin, sindikin, muttakin, awliyai kamilin. Salihin, Shuhada, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we may not be from amongst them, but Ya Allah, accept this dua from us on this night. Accept our, Ya Rabbi, wish to be like them, a wish to be near them, and grant us their taqwa, grant us their haya, grant us their sidq, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Rabbana takambal minna, innaka anta sami'ul alim. Watubu alayna, innaka anta tawabul rahim. وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَى حَبِيبِهِ سَيِّدْنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا أَرْحَمَ الرَّاحِمِينَ